Pod, 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 pod. Rugby pod. Hello and welcome along to the Rugby Pod. I'm your host, Andy Rowe, and as usual, I'm joined here by Big Jim Hamilton and Andy Good for our second edition of the Rugby Pod podcast for 2018. Uh, thanks to Rugby Pass for their help with the pod and Guinness for their help with the live shows. We're up in Newcastle on Wednesday, 24th of January, and Edinburgh on Wednesday, the 21st of February. So go and check out eventbrite.co.uk to get tickets to those. How are you doing, guys? I don't want to talk about you live shows. Talk- I'm absolutely hanging. What's happened? You what are a, you are hanging, Jim. What a day! What a day yesterday, Andy Rose Saracens demolished. Was and I was there to witness it. I was there as Goody's guest of honour in the Andy Good Suite, which I thought, to be honest, would have been bigger and was, brighter. What are you on about? Bigger. Well, you, you've talked it up. You said that this. Well, we had seven hundred covers for the Leicester game. When a small team like Saracens comes to town that no one cares about. We sold 350 covers. Well, the guy said to That's me they'd, they'd sold out the, the hospitality suite when they knew that Jim Hamilton was returning <laughs> back to Coventry. Uh, anyway, so Wasps basically provided, good on them, and thank you for that, for everyone at Wasp, provided myself, Showbiz Jim, and his mates, the Kovskins, a box for the day. You're welcome. Oof. So thanks for that, Goody. So, feeling a bit dusty today. They tucked into it, didn't they? Yeah, they free pish, free food, they didn't eat the food. They don't eat. <laughs> I came into the box. The food was untouched. Yeah, they do, they do not eat food. They just Happy about that? Yeah, I tucked in. Yeah. Happy days. And they just drink pish. So it was unlimited beers, unlimited wine. You had to pay for spirits, so they didn't get any spirits. <laughs> of course they didn't. Um, and we proceeded to watch a game with one eye open. Um, so I feel a little bit dusty today. But I'm a happy man. I mean, how good was Sarri's yesterday? Yeah, let's move on now. Let's talk about something I else. I mean, Goody's talked it up. What's this? What's that? Mate, look at our It should have been 50. should have been 50 Mate, points. You ran away. You, you ran away with it in the last 15 minutes. Yes, right? we did. Okay. Um, cheated like hell in the first half, pretty oh, much. Get two is. cents of the sim bin. Wayne Barnes... Oh, He's playing I, on the edge. Oh, I think Wayne Barnes was a bit soft on the Saracens. But in reality, let's be honest, it was Saracens out and out first team. Bar Liam Williams. No one else missing, really. Jamie George was on the bench, but... What a team. Just an all... What a team. What you a, said it, mate. You yeah, said I, it. I did. I did. And, you know, they went seven games on the spin with defeats, didn't they? Um, I can't remember that. No, no, but... Long gone. They've gone... It is long gone. Um, they went to Leicester and won, then they beat Worcester at home, but Wasps. And the best thing about the weekend for me, in terms of where rugby's at, where's it, where it's going, I've got big issues at the minute with players appealing for decisions and yet waving yellow cards and mm-hmm. all that stuff. Die Young's interview post-match... If you get a chance, have a watch of it, have a listen to it on what? BT Sport. Tell us what happened. It was just dead honest. He's like, listen, I've got no complaints. We got beaten by the better team. Really humbled and really nice to hear. No no blame passed on about anything except for the fact that Saracens were a fantastic team. Physical, sharp, quick, precise in everything they did. Well, he, knows um, his, he knows his rugby, clearly. Yeah, and, and whilst we're underpowered, we're missing Nathan Hughes, Joe Launchbury, Jimmy Gopeth, Carl Eastmond, Daly. Um, Elliot Daly, Josh Bassett. He's played well for us this year. Josh, ba- Josh Bassett Hound. Um, Northampton Saints, Josh Bassett. Yeah. Uh, you did him. <laughs> Absolutely. So I get Jim coming into my lounge, and we did it. We started off doing a bit of a Q&A, didn't we? Already had a few beers by this point. Um, so he's getting loose. He's enjoying it. He's back in Cov, you know, enjoying the Signing autographs. There's so many selfies <laughs> on the no, way. No one knew who he was, but I introduced him. And then, so we did our little bit for about 20 minutes, wasn't it? A few stories, all that stuff. People enjoyed that, I think. And then we had about a 20-minute break. Three more pints. And then we're joined by Elliot Daly and Josh Bassett. Hound. Uh, and we're just chatting away, a bit of a Q&A, a bit of chat about the game, about life. Elliot talking about the Lions tour, etc. And 
different stories and all this stuff. And then we've got Josh Bassett there who has signed for Northampton Saints for next year, but it hasn't been announced. And we're in the big corporate land of 350 people. And he goes, uh, so, um, Josh, what's your favourite club? Because... Uh, you signed for Saints, haven't you? What's <laughs> Paul bloke that. just stitched him. Well, Goody, I, I said, Goody, who's this Josh Bassett on then? What am I going to ask him? Goody's what do like, you mean, who is he? Goody's like, oh, he's signed for Northampton. Ask him that. I was like, all right then. <laughs> so I've asked him that. And then literally the Jim Hamilton suite went silent. So, <laughs> the Jim Hamilton um, suite. Great, mate. I'll tell you what, like joking aside, okay, good game of ruggers from what I saw. Wasp, amazing setup. Like it was really, really good. Like everything behind the scenes, the hospitality, just the amount of space. What a place. So, yeah, I was very happy with that. The, mighty, the mighty Rico Arena. It was class. It was awesome. We've got a lot of love for each other today, haven't we? Like I'm talking about his rugby team, Saracens, mm. how good they are. Jim's talking about what I'm doing off the field. and well, I was talking about the, the Rico oh, setup. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. It's a good setup, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, great. Took him down to the boardroom as well. That was nice. Yeah. yeah so it was good, good day. Yeah, good day. Uh, Ellen Gaffney's off to a winning start straight in there with Saints. Mate, <laughs> what about the last 10 minutes of that? See, I, haven't, I didn't see it. All George, I, George all let me talk you through a couple of things. All I saw was the try at the end, and I, I spoke to Wayne Barnes on Sunday at the Wasps game. As I was getting out of my car, he was getting out of his. What car's he got? Uh, he's got like some Ford thing. Fucking oh, shit. <laughs> I get out of the range, I'm like, Barnesy, how are you? <laughs> Funnily enough, so he was trying to put on, Wayne Barnes was trying to put on, you know, the Arsene Wenger coat? There's the, the long thing, yeah. the clip where he's, he just can, can't do his zip up. Can never get it so done. So Barnesy, outside of his car, doing that, taking ages trying to do the long zip up. I was like, who the fuck do you think you are, Arsene Wenger or what? Struggling away. And the other t- uh, touch judges there, TMO as well, having a bit of a laugh. He goes, no, Goody, have a look at this. Flashes his coat open. He's just, he spilt a bottle of water all over him, so he's looked like he's pissed himself. Oh, yeah, on his chinos, he goes, there's no way I'm walking in there with all those cameras out, looking like I've pissed myself. So he's trying <laughs> his best to do up this long coat. Um, but he, I said to him, I said, what do you reckon to that? The penalty try. And he's like, oh, interesting decision, wasn't it? I'm like, you're saying he's wrong, aren't you? Mate, he was wrong. He absolutely flapped it. So there's a couple of things about that game. So Gloucester, they could have won the game. Basically, Billy Twelve Bags, my mate, comes on. Twelve Trees comes on. and they're Stinker? To, well, not a stinker, no. Just that, like, it was basically around halfway. They're just playing too much. Just need to kick the ball long. So they're in their own half. He's gone for a ball out the back. They're ahead quite comfortably at that point, are they? Not at that point. It's It's one try. And right. that's, where it, that's where it comes off. And then it was a penalty at the breakdown, I think. And then they kicked to the corner. Um, oh, it's off Trinder's. So Trinder got done for being offside and purposely hitting the ball out of nine's hand. He was neither. So the referees looked at it on the on the thing. And he's like, oh, he, uh, uh, yeah, um, he's offside. In Tempest. No, he's not. No, he's not offside. We've, not? Ju- we've just all watched it. He isn't offside. So basically, this, the scrum half goes to pass the ball. He knocks the scrum half's arm. Which I don't know. It's obviously you can obviously do that. I did a lot of time. As the, you, no, you actually can't unless unless the nines picked it up and ran yeah, with the ball. Yeah, yeah. If it's from the base, you can't no, no, touch he has, it. No, no, no. He's picked it up. He's right, picked it okay. up and ran. So he's tackled him his arm, and then he's done him for being offside. Right. Yeah. So they've kicked to the corner. Yes. Uh, Got the line out. Half decent kick. Yeah. How many meters out? No, mate. Eight. No, no. Well, they're five meters out. Okay. Good kick. Maybe they're about eight or ten metres out. Anyway, they've gone for the drive not, more. They've got one on. Kick, not right. a good yeah, kick. Has to be five. Yeah, they've, they've got good. one on, and there's a bit of a double movement on the ground. So they're looking at that. It is a double movement. I uh, can't think who it was who, who did the double movement. Mikey Haywood. Mikey Haywood is a double movement on the floor. So everyone's looking at that, and you're thinking it's no try. The BT commentators are like, well, it's not a try. It's a double movement. Fucking ref goes under the sticks for a penalty try. I think it was Atkins. I can't remember. Was it Simmons? Simmons. Simmons. Yeah, he said Simmons collapsed them all. Yeah, mate. You're off. Did, you're off, did, mate. He did absolutely nothing. Anyway, so Gloucester's own worst enemy because, uh, you know, they shouldn't have been in that position anyway. But for me, you know, you talk about big moments in games. 
them three things that I said. Trinder wasn't offside, so it's not a penalty. Anyway, they get the penalty, kicked a corner. It's a double movement, so it's not a try. And, and he, then and he didn't collapse it. He didn't collapse it, no. But you know what? Northampton, um, as much as anyone likes or dislikes them, when they've lost, I think they lost 11 on the spin mm. before that. You take the rough with a smooth, you get a bit of luck sometimes. If it's gone their way, Alan Gaffney, the gaffer, a.k.a. Dean Gaffney and Wellard have come into town and they've got their win. Jim, Willie Hines came out after the game and said, and questioned his teammates' uh, work ethic or, um, yeah, their, questioned their effort during the game. Is he, is he right to do that, do you think? I don't know. It's difficult when you get interviewed after a game. Emotion's high. I don't think as captain you should be doing that. But, you know, you can see his frustration. Gloucester were in such a good position to, to win that game. And it was, it, you know, it was down to the players. They had the, the right game plan. They looked comfortable for large parts of that. So would I do that as captain? I probably wouldn't. Would he do it again? I don't think he would do it. I don't think he'd do that again. I just think emotions were high. You know, Gloucester are at that point now where they're expected to go down to Franklin's Gardens and win. You know, I thought they were going to win. I, I, you know, we spoke about it last week. I thought Gloucester were going to win down there. Well, you, you back Gloucester, I back Northampton. So who's the winner? But yeah, I wouldn't do that. But yeah, a lot of frustration for them. Um how good's that? Uh, is it Paladri, the back row? Paladri, yeah. Paladri. He's, he's a unit as well, isn't he? English qualified, mate. Yeah. Proper beast of a carrier. Bit like yourself, Jim. Mate, genuinely, a couple of carries there, and I, when I was in the Cherry and Whites, I'd, I'd carried like that because I was a, a lot bigger. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. You were a unit when you played Go for... on, Jimbo! When you played for Gloucester, you were a unit. Yeah, I was a beast, tits, mate. Tits everywhere, No, mate, I was fucking strong as an ox, mate. <laughs> genuinely. <laughs> genuinely just strong as an ox. Just couldn't catch. Exeter only lost two of 24 last year, but they've lost their opening game of uh, this year uh, to Newcastle. What do you guys make of that? Mate, you saw oh, it was, come in. You oh, saw it coming, didn't you? No. Did you not? No. Oh, we spoke about it. You could see yeah. that they go... So we were basically saying that it was too good to be true for Exeter, wasn't it? Like they, yeah. They've been so comfortable that going up to Newcastle, which is probably the toughest place to go play, as in get up for emotionally, the same as going up to Sale, you could see this one then potentially slipping up. That's all we said. Yeah, and at some point... When you're ten points clear in the top of the Premiership, you can afford, you can afford to lose a game. What surprised me was the manner of the game and how Newcastle went. I think into a twenty-five-three lead. It's actually the first time in God knows how many. Someone come out with a stat that they haven't even got a losing bonus point. They have got no points, zero points, league points in a game. So even the games they've lost, they've lost very close ones and picked up a losing bonus point or a try bonus point. But yeah, listen. They're still top of the league. I think they're five points clear of Saracens now. Good for Newcastle, though, eh? Yeah, we like Newcastle. Newcastle. Yeah, let's talk about Newcastle because you look at the league now, and undoubtedly Exeter and Saracens are the top two. Uh, What's the third? And I think those three teams are far and away better than anyone else. Then there's this whole bunch of other teams. So you've got Gloucester, Bath, Quinn, Quinn's Sale, uh, well, it's Leicester. Around there. Oh, mate, how bad Leicester haven't haven't not made or have been in the semi-finals for 13 years on the spin. 13 years on the spin 13 years on the spin they've made the semi-final top four top four for the last 13 years without fail (sighs) did not know that as a stat this year and they're just in the chasing pack now and you talk about the other clubs Gloucester are the team that you look at Leicester's next game in the premiership is Gloucester away Gloucester away (laughs) Um, I think Leicester are definitely going to struggle to make top four this year you think the guys that go away for the Six Nations, they're going to lose Ben Youngs, they're going to lose George Ford, they're going to lose Dan Cole, Ellis Genge is injured, uh, and Johnny May. I know they've got Tamur and Tuolangi fit, but you lose George Ford, but then Joe Ford, the next fly half, his, his brother, is going to start, and they're just going to be mad. I think their recruitment, Leicester's recruitment, has been, for me, it's been woeful. Uh, it's not the coach, and everyone's ranting and raving about, oh, they've sacked Jim Mullender, let's sack the coach. It's not the way to do it at Leicester. Um, it, for me, it's the recruitment they've got massively wrong. So you need to look above 
uh, the coaches to see where the issues are. They're signed a good second row. Who, Leicester have? Yeah. Who? Yeah, Spencer from Worcester. Yeah. Good player in, mate. Is he? Yeah, good player. Proper kind of Leicester-style player. Yeah. And isn't it funny, right? So they're obviously thin in the second row. We spoke about it before. Ed Slater goes to Gloucester. Johnny May goes from Gloucester to Leicester because for his England credentials. Mate, if Johnny May is in that Gloucester team now, He's scoring tries for fun for Leicester. Yeah, he as well. is. He is. But you look at Leicester. Why they let Ed Slater go? Salt of the it's earth, Leicester player. Crazy. A ridiculous decision. Me and, my, me and my mate Slug chat about it all the time. It's madness. And uh, what Leicester's been built on over the years is generally a, a hell of a strong forward pack, isn't it? Yeah. Well, that's their identity. Um, that's the identity, the DNA of the club. And then some all right backs. This year, they've got this all star back line on paper Ben Youngs, George Ford, Matt Tamua. Uh, Tuolangi at 13 yeah. Johnny May on one wing uh, Veanu at fullback yeah, yeah. and then Malouf or someone on the other wing that's that's as good a backline in the premiership as that's a top four backline isn't it Yeah. the back five of the scrum second round back row it's just my opinion but well this is the thing I bet you, could, I bet you couldn't even name four of the back rows well, I can because I've done a few games Okay. So, I, my favourite one Mapapalangi yeah, so he's actually a hell of a player Made a good player Yeah. and apparently they've signed Steve Maffey back do you remember him yeah yeah, yeah apparently one glove back. Steve Maffey yeah, well, they need something. He's a cast. They need something, mate. Yeah. Well, we've got Ben Youngs on the phone now. Thank you very much for joining us, Ben. No worries, Jen. No worries. Youngs, so- Youngs, you're a big fan of the podcast, aren't you, mate? I am, Jimbo, mate. I am. You and Goody are hammering it, mate. I'm looking forward to uh, to, to doing what I can do for you guys. Well, Jim said he's got a good story about you. Oh, yeah. Go on in, Jimbo. Well, it's all true. Um, remember back in the day, Youngs, we were on the bus? <laughs> mate, remember, I'm a married man with kids down there. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say you were hanging were you well in between your legs mate walking up the bus but you weren't so yeah, yeah. basically the Youngs brothers were very young at the time so mate you were about 15 I think mate the the, uh, the cup final where you spewed into a bin bag I've gone to throw oh, it out the window mate, yes you tell the story can you remember yeah it was after it was after a, a final I think um, Goody had dominated some final for Leicester standard and they'd won and they, they used to go the guys over who weren't involved that was you Jimbo yeah and obviously me being young, we had another bus. We went down the day, and then on the way back anyway, we, we obviously thoroughly enjoyed ourselves, mate. I've um, been very young, and, and I think, Jimbo, if I remember correctly, you're handing out uh, Jack Daniels, who we had to take one to the eye, and uh, <laughs> I ended up being sick into a, into, a, into a bag, and you were like, don't worry about it, I'll take it. So you grabbed it off me, and you went to chuck it out the... Uh, out the, uh, the skylight. Skylight of the bus. And because obviously you're on the uh, M1 at this point, up it went, but it came straight back down and went all over you, mate. So, uh, <laughs> so, so Ben Young's dispute on you, in, inadvertently? Basically, British Lions scrum yeah. off, Ben Young's dispute all over me. There I had loads go. of bits in it as well. Oh, so, carrots the lot. Yeah. Yeah. So you were making young kids do Jack Daniels through the eye? Mate, it's, it was, that, that, was, that was the Leicester initiation. Jono, Martin Johnson told me that that's what they needed to do. <laughs> <laughs> he did, he never said that. <laughs> you a horrible man, Jim. Jimbo, I just remember we were... Uh, we got back to, I think we got back to Welsh Road in the end. And I just remember the bus driver like looking down the uh, the bus and there was just like a, at least an inch of just alcohol and, and all sorts of things. Uh, yeah. And then every person stepped off the bus, you and I think Abo and maybe Brettie Deeks was waiting. Everyone got the shirt ripped. Drinking before it. Before they were allowed to go in, mate. Are they drinking from the floor? Well, no, ba- probably. Yeah. probably. Basically, <laughs> there was every every bodily fluid that you could imagine oh. up and down that bus. <laughs> oh, my I think Cab, Cabbage, actually, he was, he was taking a uh, taking pee on, on the bus and he forgot to close the door. And as he as we went around the corner or something, he came flying out the door but grabbed all <laughs> the toilet. The whole thing came off. Oh, geez. James Buckland. It was, it was a night disaster. One, an absolute disaster. Brutal. I remember, actually, your... What, your, was your debut against Toulouse, Youngsy? Mate, it would have been 
No, I played Bristol as my debut, but I, I remember playing in the, that would have been my Harnikin Cup debut, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, I'd so say, Youngsy was about 16, not a pube in sight. <laughs> <laughs> and he made his Heineken Cup debut with me. I was playing at 10. You were, mate, yeah. And uh, yeah, I was like, geez, this young kid, he's all right. Hung like a slipper as Absolute, well, mate. Absolutely, hung like a slipper, but zero pubes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, Frankie Murphy got knocked out and I got chucked on, didn't I? Because we had about crisis at nine, so yeah. I ended up playing. Frank Murphy, mate, he was refereeing last week. I know, mate. Oh, my third. <laughs> <laughs> So how is uh, how is the things at Leicester, mate? Obviously, it's been a tough few weeks uh, off the back of Europe and stuff and then Premiership, but to get that first win in seven games or whatever it is, it was, must be pretty relieving. Oh, mate, it was, yeah. It was. So, um, you know, we, we've been doing everything we can in terms of during the week and leading it and trying to get the fits right. And, you know, you guys know what it's like when you're in that environment. You, you Everyone's pulling in the same direction. Everyone's working very, very hard to get it right. And it, it, we weren't getting the results in the back of that. But what was pleasing was, you know, we got the win at the weekend. We got that monkey off our back in terms of the... Uh, the run of games without getting a win and it was just pleasing to get out there and, uh, and win really and come in on a Monday a little bit happier. Although the performance wasn't fantastic, you'd take the win ahead of, ahead of the performance at this, at this stage. And Youngsy, being a guy that's been at the club for a long time now and obviously been very successful with it and we've had Jordan Murphy, Murphy on last week and look, you know, we're both Leicester fans, me and Goody, we don't want to bag it but do you think there's an identity problem in terms of, mate, a lot of the packs that you've been behind, well, when I was playing anyway for Leicester, but you know what I mean, the likes of Jono and stuff like that had an identity, a very forward-orientated team, physical. Matteo, obviously Major was in there, first one to play a better attacking brand of rugby, Matteo O'Connor the same. Like, how are you finding that transition as a local Leicester lad? Oh, yeah, I think you raise a real valid point there. I think, you know, Leicester's DNA for long before I was ever at the club and, and you guys were there and what have you, it's been a very physical, confrontational forward pack that gets the back on, on the front foot. Now, through various reasons, we haven't been as um, good in those areas as we'd like to be. It doesn't mean that we're trying to come away from it. We know that that's a big part of what the club's about. It's just that we haven't been able to be as confrontational in those areas as we'd like. You know, the, the line-out certainly struggled uh, early part of the season. You know, we feel like we're getting those bits on top now, but you know, ultimately, it, it just has a knock-on effect confidence in those areas. You know, the scrum is still very, very strong. You know, with Coley and guys for that, you know, exceptional. So, um, yeah, it, it's certainly different. And I think the way the rules are now with the with the rules of the breakdown and, and, and the way that teams are dealing up, they're pretty much going 14 in the front line, one at the back, going so hard at the breakdown and all those bits. And if you don't get momentum and you don't get gain line, it's very hard to then play off. Yeah, mate, it is. Well, mate, let, let me know if you need a bit of momentum, mate. I'm uh, thinking about coming out of retirement, potentially. <laughs> Jim, mate, you're a shambles. You've got to be joking. <laughs> well, just letting him know, mate. There we go. Um, obviously, next couple of weeks, back to Europe. Yeah. The writing's on the wall, really, isn't it, in Europe for yeah. you guys. How are you approaching it? Because, obviously, for yourself, for example, obviously, you're going to be away with England during the Six Nations. We go two European games, then into the Anglo-Welsh. Obviously, it's a new competition in terms of the change from the Premiership. Yeah. Are players being rested? Are you rotating the squad a bit? What's happening? Well, I'm sure there'll be, there'll be an element of that. But we spoke today um, in our meeting, and one of the main things that we spoke about was said, you know, who are the boys in the room that have gone to France in the Leicester shirt and won? You know, there must have been, what, 35 lads in there, and only six of us raised our hands. So, and then he asked, you know, who, out of the room, who, who wants to go to France and win in a Leicester shirt and, and what have you? And, you know, everyone obviously put their hand up. He said, look, you've got plenty of motivation. Some lads never won in France, whether that's at Leicester or at other clubs. Um, so we approached like that. I mean, it's the, the, the season is, is, is intense, as you guys know, and, you know, it's not very rarely do you get an opportunity um, for two weeks in a row to sort of let the shackles off and go out there and, and really sort of go for it. And you can, you can probably play a little bit looser and do that. And I think 
with some of the guys that we do have in our back line, if you do play that way, it's probably quite exciting. You know, the the, the sort of the, the the risks aren't as high, are they? Exactly, Youngsy. Looking forward to the Six Nations. Oh, mate. Well, yeah. I mean, let's 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 see on the 18th whether I've made the squad or not. But okay. Well, let's see, mate. But if you if you do, mate, you got to go to Murrayfield. You got to go up to Murrayfield and try and win a game. No chance, mate. <laughs> mate, we'll, uh, we'll we'll see. Eh? We'll see. I think over the last the last few years, it's it, it, it probably showed. You know the approach that Eddie's had in terms of the Six Nations and, and making sure that you just you just completely focus on yourself and make sure that you take one game at a time because you only have to look at last year for example you know Ireland went to Scotland first game of the tournament Scotland raced into I think twenty one nil head start didn't they you know it was it was you know they scored three tries thinking about the first twenty minutes um, I, I think you, you can get you can look too far ahead or or what have you you know Italy's first up and you know they're certainly on the on the up aren't they and on the back of last year which was um, an interesting game certainly uh, with the whole uh, Rookgate Rookgate mate exactly oh, well played Italy yeah well clever really isn't it so, Italy on the up young Z Italy on the mate. yeah okay well we'll see mate we'll see and just talking about the England squad um, and training with Eddie Jones and he likes to think outside the box yeah I watched a training session before the Barbars England Barbars in the summer yeah. And oh my God, I have never seen a session like it in my life in terms of the intensity, the running, um, the amount the boys were doing. How tough is it and how was the Brighton camp last week? Mate, Brighton camp was good. We uh, Those camps that they've introduced, we, we have done previously, uh, are massively beneficial because y- you want to give yourself a chance. And when we get back to um, uh, camp, when we next meet up, you know, you're already two days in, you've already got a lot of blueprint of how you want to play in the first game. I think England as a whole, is it, in, in terms of how we train, it is about in it more... Uh, intense than a game and making training uh, putting you under massive fatigue and duress so that you can execute so you come at the weekend it it, it should become easier um, probably what helps as well is, is everyone absolutely buys into it and everyone drives that standard very high and it's it's a great environment for training you know when, when everyone's pulling that direction and everyone's working that hard you know you want to be part of it and um, it's, it's a very good fun way of training because it tests you and ultimately as players you, you want to be tested all right, Ben. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. And best of luck for the Six Nations and um, and your battle also coming up with uh, Danny Keir, mate. And Scotland. And Scotland. And then the rest, mate. mate Scotland will be easy, mate. Don't worry about that. <laughs> Cheers, Ben. Cheers, mate. See Cheers, you in Opal Lounge after the game, mate. <laughs> hey, I'll tell you what I loved about that. One of the first things he said... Uh, Jim, Jim, just remember, I'm married with kids now. You can't say what you. <laughs> mate, I got nothing on him, mate. But he is hung like a slipper, so that's all I know. What a lovely bloke! And that dude, like that, that story was true actually. And we we spoke about it before. Some of the bus stories, and you know, the Youngs brothers like absolutely love them. Like they're yeah. diamond blokes. You know, just good, good blokes who are amazing at rugby, and they're so grounded. They've gone on to do what they've done in, in their career. What do you guys make of Joe Mallers' red card? for the shoulder charge on TJ. Oh, well, he's Jim's best mate, so let's let Jim talk about it. What do you think, Udi? Do you think it was a red card? Uh, letter of the law now, if he clips any part of his head in the way that he's cleaned out, then yeah. yeah letter it, of the law. Do I agree with it? Well, I have to, because it's letter of the law. But it wasn't, you, can't, you can't sit here and go, oh, the game's gone soft, the game's changed, because it is rules is rules, as Holf used to say. Exactly. Well, mate, the ones that I don't like are the seatbelt seat tackles, but it was a bit reckless, wasn't it? It was just off the ball. That was why he just has moments like that where he loses his head. I mean, hell of a clear. And to be fair to Ione, he jumped back up, didn't he? And that's what I don't like, is players staying down. You know, they get blitzed mm. and then they're play acting. But yeah, it was reckless. Mate, Farrell did it. Farrell did it yesterday, didn't he? No, he got taken out he, by mate, t- Tom Cruise. He stayed down. Tom Cruise took him out, Mission Impossible, he mate. He stayed down like he'd broken his leg. And then when Wayne Barnes went, absolutely not, nothing in that, because he went for the kicking leg, not the standing leg. Yeah. 
he got back up and yeah. went, oh, I'm all right. Okay, well, let's talk about Marla. Yeah, Marla's what, stupid. Uh, Quinns are ahead, and you talk about European qualification or top four qualification. You know, Quinns were, I predicted Sale would win this game, but they probably only won it because Marla got sent off. Exactly. I Mate, yeah. I, and to be fair, Mate, some of this obviously happened because Ione's been cited, so I don't know whether that's something to do with something early with Marla. I've not seen it. I've not had time to have a look what's gone on there, but, mate, wrong time to do it, Marley Bone. Wrong time, big fella. Well, we, we had him on just before the Autumn Internationals, didn't we? Yeah. And he, that was when he was he had the ban for, was it the Wasps game when he did the same, very sim, something very similar to, I think it was Will Rowlands? And he was like, oh, I don't think I'm going to get back in the England squad at the minute because obviously I'm banned and... And then mm. two games later, he's, as soon as his band finishes, he's playing again or on the bench. Who's the next loose head then? Or Mako will start. Well, obviously Mako, yeah. But, but then who? Uh, Beno Urbano's in the squad, isn't he? Yeah, he Matt is. Mullen's injured. Well, that's he... what I mean. So it's Beno Urbano's next in, yeah. in line if you look at it like that. But if you're Joe Marler and you're two weeks before or three weeks before the Autumn Internationals or whatever, uh, the Six Nations, sorry, start, you know, you're not flying into rucks like that when there's 25 grand right. at stake playing mm. for England. He's, he's, lost, his, he's lost his head. Lost his head. Lost his Moeken. You... Lost his head. Do you think he will spend a bit of time on the sidelines now? Uh, yeah, I think he'll get a three. Yeah, a three week uh, ban. about a three week ban. But the, his issue, his issue could be that he's got previous this season for a very similar offence. Yeah, so they might throw the book at him a bit. It's not big enough to go attempt. It's not a, 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 an offence that you go ten weeks or something like that. It's it's a three four week max. I reckon. Yeah. I reckon. Let's just look at some social media. Uh, Glenn Wells has tweeted in. How effective do you think James Davies would be at international level? Cubby boy. Cubby boy! Cubby boy! Uh, mate, a good player, isn't he? Yeah, uh, I, I think he's a great player. Apparently he's fell out with the union. Yeah. We, we were with him, weren't we? Yeah, Alongside him with the Lions tour. He's a loose character, Yeah, from what you hear. Loose as a Good girls. lad. Um, but hell, of, hell of a player. Yeah, he's playing exceptionally well. And, and the, the thing is, especially this year, with Warburton out, um, you know, there's opportunities there. But obviously Thomas Young at Wasps as well. Mate, he's a good player. Thomas Young? Yeah, yeah very right, good. Matt, I'd always rated him. I, apparently his dad gives him a lot of shit. Mate, I've never seen, honestly, so you talk about, there's a lot of football, there's been a few father-son combinations at premiership clubs, right? Obviously, you've got the, you had the George Ford, Mike Ford thing. when Farrell, obviously. Faz and his dad. Gloucester mm-hmm. uh, now, they've got Ackerman, the Ackerman boys. Thomas Young and Die Young. When I was at Wasps, I used to knock on Die's door and go, that Thomas needs to play. He's training like an absolute Trojan. And he's always done what he's doing now on the field. He's always done. I used to go and knock on Die's door and say, mate, can he play seven? Stick Haskell at six. What was Di like? No, Let's no. talk about it over the buffet. Di was like, <laughs> you can say that. Di was like, Goody, I'm the director of rugby. You don't pick the forwards. Get the fuck out of my office. <laughs> I was like, okay. But it, like, there was times when he would train the house down, play the opportunities he got to play. Monstering people. Kill it, yeah. Like the best player on the field. And then Di wouldn't pick him. And it was more to do with the fact that he wanted him to prove time and time again that he's not just going to give him a shirt because he's son. Whereas... You look at other clubs, and I commentated on a few Bath games when Mike Ford was head coach, George Ford, his son, was playing 10. Reese Priestland was on the bench, international 10 on the bench. George Ford was having a stinker. His old man won't take him off. Yeah. And it's a different, you know, different thing. And I've never seen any coach, you know, die treated Thomas. He was harder on him than any other player. Um, and, you know, Thomas is, he's got everything his old man didn't have. He's got speed, he's got <laughs> athletic ability. Um, I, used to, I used to joke at training, there's no way he's yours. There's no, have you had a DNA test, Di? Because there's no way with that speed and that fitness. <laughs> that is yours. Like yours yeah. Mate, underneath all that padding, mate, Di Young might have a bit of power behind him. He, he certainly did have. Nathan Bell's tweeted in asking what the average salary of a What's premiership... What's his name? Nathan Bell. And? Nathan what? 
Nathan Bellend. <laughs> oh, no, come on. Come Nathan on. Bell. Say, come on, Andy Rowe. Bloody hell, it's Nathan Bell. Average salary, salary of a premiership player, question mark. Can the average uh, salary set you up for life, or do players need to be thinking about post-rugby life? Well, I can now, by the looks of it, no, for the top-end players. No. You still, I, the way I look at it, it doesn't matter what you earn as a rugby player. And the average premiership wage... A couple of years ago, I think it was sixty. It was sixty grand about four years ago. Yeah, and it's gone up to about hundred-ish now, maybe more. Um, you can't live off that for the rest of your life. Of course, you can't. You've got a ten-year career, and you think, in, in terms of earnings, you spend the first two or three year, years of your career on bugger all because uh, you that young small contract that you're trying to make your way. Then you get a reasonable contract. Then you get a big contract. And then before you know it, you're turning 30. And, and you're on the downward spiral. You're again. just trying to hold on in there for as long as possible. So can you live on it for the rest of your life? No, you can't. Um, and ultimately, to be a professional sportsman, you're driven to be successful. You, you work absolutely ridiculously hard to be as successful as you can be from whatever age all the way through your career. So you want the challenge. And we've both retired. You want a challenge post-career of being successful and ultimately still being able to live the lifestyle that you lead. Driving Range Rovers and being mortgage-free. As a rugby player. Um, so you're driven to do other things and, and just move your boundaries away from sport on a weekend, but be successful in whatever you want to do, whether, whether that's business. And, you know, we've retired now. I've been out of the game coming up to nearly two years from playing. Jim's obviously, it's his first season out. And the only advice that I'd say is plan early. Um, and everyone says it when you're playing, you're in that bubble of being a professional rugby player. You're like, oh, yeah, I won't get injured. It won't happen to me. I'll think about it in a bit. Or there's other players that are really driven to look at other stuff outside of rugby. And James Haskell is a classic example. Haskell has been working outside of rugby on his brand, on his fitness, on his books, on his all sorts of different apps or whatever for years. And there was a stigmatism about it. People were saying to him, oh, you, you know, I remember Neil Back. Yeah, taking the best. Yeah, I remember Neil Back having a bit of a dig about him years and years ago saying, oh, he's, he's too focused on stuff outside mm. of rugby than he is on his rugby. But if you know someone like James Haskell and play with him and train with him, he trains ridiculously hard, harder than most other players. So some people need a balance. Some people want to just think rugby 24-7. Yeah. And some people need to get away from it completely. Um, I, you know, I think Saracens do it the right way, don't they? Yeah. Saracens encourage people because they don't train as much. They encourage people one day a week to go and do something else away from rugby, preparing yourself for later life. And that's the way you should do it because you look at some of our mates that have retired after you know, having a really good career up till about 25 and then bang, injury, you're done. And that's when you've got another, you want to have kids and stuff and all that. And that's where you're going to need the most money. Yeah, you've got to make mm. money because kids are expensive. I got three, Jim, got four. Gator McCluskey. Good is, name. Yeah. Gator? Gator McCluskey. Gatorade! Gator McCluskey has tweeted in, is England's success as reliant on Billy V and Maro as uh, fitness as Saracens is? Billy V, definitely. Billy V is, I'm going to say... Is one of my best friends. I'm going to say he's the best player in the world. <laughs> really? When everyone's, when everyone's fit and on form, he has the impacts that he has when he plays for whatever team he plays for, he's the best player in the world. I'm going to ring him and tell him tonight that you said that because I speak to him every night on the phone of course you do yeah, he doesn't do. even know who you are mate yeah, he does mate We're, we are like really good friends or we're like yeah, best mates he's a, he's a nice guy but I generally think that though the impact and we said it yesterday at Saracens didn't we Yeah. and you talk about you see a team sheet and then you see Mara didn't do a lot yesterday did he no Mara was off the pace a little bit he struggled fitness wise yeah. he was uh, there's one there's one point when I actually thought it was Jim on the field because he was about 50 metres behind play <laughs> Wasser made a half break and he's walking back trying to get back into the defensive. Treading water. Because he was absolutely hacked. But Billy, on the other hand. Billy was immense. He looked starving. Yeah. 
you know, and he was. I think you know, Saracen's going on that losing run frustrated him a little bit, and he's one of them that will look at the media and see what people are saying about his team, about his players, his friends, and I think he's been riled up. And when an Islander slash English Tongan, Mate, he's Tonglish, Tonglish, a Tonglish player like that, <laughs> he's Tonglish. Wasps felt the the brunt force of that. Listen, that, Billy is world class. Marrow is world class. When they're in the team, there's little bits and pieces that Jim would appreciate that Marrow does around the park because Marrow doesn't do big Hollywood ball carries or ah, he does. He doesn't like not like Billy does. No, but but there's, it, but there's a lot of parts of Marrow's game that to the average fan wouldn't necessarily see the noise factor. And the impact by him going in and hitting a ruck. Around the malls is great. Yeah. The breakdowns and the stuff breakdowns like that. And his turnovers. He'll fly yeah. into a breakdown. That then attracts five or six of the attackers to clear him out and cause a, a nuisance, which means their attacking line is they're, miss, they're missing five or six players. Therefore, the defence is on top. Defence's number's up. Off you go. And that's the impact that he has. And what those two players playing in a Saracens team and an England team, it gives the other players a five, ten percent lift because they know that they just have a look and go, fuck me, he's... World-class player. That's what they used to happen to me. <laughs> right, we've got Bernard Jackson on the phone. Thank you very much for joining oh, no, us. Jackman. Bernard uh, Jackman. That's what I said, wasn't it? <laughs> sorry. <laughs> sorry, Bernard. We've got Bernard Jackman on the phone. Thank <laughs> you very much for joining us, mate. Bernard, as you can see, that's the arrogant Kiwi. Absolutely no clue about... <laughs> Who is Hemisphere. this guy? That's the weird fish, mate. <laughs> so, uh, you know, great great documentary you guys have got going on at the um, with the rugby pass at the moment. Were you, were you weary of allowing cameras such close access or were you just happy to show them behind the scenes like that yeah no we just let, we just let them in and um, they spent a week with us and just kind of blended into the group and um, yeah I think it turned out quite well hopefully and players are happy with it and hopefully the, the viewers are seeing insight into it pre-season in a pro, pro rugby team uh, but I actually it's Andy Gudeo I absolutely loved it um, the only issue I had was whoever was doing the voiceover was fucking terrible who was it <laughs> Uh, Ruby Pass need to invest in a, in a pro. Oh, mate, it was a Scottish legend, that. But I don't even, you, you obviously recognise the voice. I don't need to say who I am, but it is Jim Hamilton, the legend. Um, yeah. Mate, I'll tell you what I really enjoyed, because a lot of, the, well, not a lot of the other teams, the other teams in Wales, and when I say that, I mean the Scarlets and the Ospreys get a lot of love. And I think what I enjoyed most about the documentary was seeing the passion that you've brought into that and some of the players and, and the, the backroom staff. Were they all happy Obviously, they were happy with the documentary, but integrating them, was that one of the main things was to, to show the soul of the Dragons and that you guys are ambitious and to keep growing? Yeah, we, things have changed, obviously. The Dragons have been underfunded for probably six, seven years, and they've had a lot of hard times, and not just in terms of investment in players, but also in terms of things like travel, medical, food, um, etc. So the union obviously took over in May and, and they've committed to giving us, I suppose, the support in the background to try and competing in a level playing field and players have really responded to that there's a lot of local lads who are probably have talent but just haven't been in an environment where they've had a chance to, to shine and I suppose this year is about I suppose putting the building blocks in place to, to try and bring through those local lads so they can play for the region and um, start to get a bit of respect and be competitive we've gone through a tough patch at the moment we've had a hard Christmas uh, we lost the three derby games a lot of injuries but the beauty of that is the, the upside of that is that you know, I'm playing a lot of our academy players who are, you know, we've given eight teenagers a debut this year. And next year with, with seven or eight or, um, you know, Pro 14 games under the belt and some Challenge Cup rugby under the belt, you know, hopefully they'll be better equipped to, to play a big part in in um, in our squads in, in, in both competitions next year. 
And obviously, you talk about next season. Um, you've obviously been linked with quite a few top quality players. I know you've got Gav Henson there at the minute, but likes of Ross Moriarty um, and Hibbard as well. Perhaps George North. Yeah, listen. I think um, all of well, up till up till yesterday, I think all the four regions were in for him. But the Blues seem to have um, made a statement saying they're going to spend their money um, on front five. So uh, the, the situation with George North is that his region of origin is the Scarlet. So. Effectively, he's coming back on a on a natural uh, national dual contract. So his first port of call is the, is the Scarlets. Now, if he doesn't want to go back there, well, then he becomes available to to the rest of the region. So we're waiting to find out, you know, how that how that goes with the discussion with the Scarlets. If if he if for whatever reason he doesn't go there, well, then obviously we'd love to we'd love to bring him in. I think Moriarty was the was the first fella to to sign on really, and you know it was great to get Hibbard um, to come back because. He's just type of forward we want. Both those are the type of forwards we want to we want to build a team around. We've got some good local lads like Elliot D, who's broken through the Welsh team, was a very good hooker. Leon Brown, a good tight head. But Hibbard and Moriarty are just no nonsense, abrasive, um, quality players, and they want to come back to Wales and, and try and I suppose put the dragons on the map and and you know play for Wales. The new the new rule that Gatlin brought in with sixty caps, obviously men's Ross. If he wants to be international rugby, he needs to come back. And you know I think it was a big signing for us. And there's other there's others to follow. We've, we've signed a couple of players from Bristol. Um, we have a couple more signings that are going to announce this week, and yeah, we're looking to bring in you know between twelve and fourteen players who've all got, I suppose, experience of playing whether it's in the Premiership or or Pro fourteen rugby, uh, who are predominantly Welsh qualified, and and try and build a young side that's you know most of the recruits are, are under twenty five. Obviously, Hibbard is, is the exception, but we probably need that experience that he has as well. And and, and uh, apart from that, it's, yeah, it's a team that hopefully will grow up over the next couple of years together. So when when you say you want some Premiership experience, you, do you need a ten, an overweight fly half that could do a job? Or? <laughs> we brought Gav back, and he's, oh, shit, um, yeah, yeah, he's, uh, he's our experience. I said uh, overweight, not uh, overrated. I'll keep you on speed dialing. <laughs> um, uh, There's no relegation in the Pro 14, so I don't think <laughs> the slow at the moment. Mate, and, uh, mate, I'm a huge fan of Moriarty. Um, yeah. Always been, been a big fan of his. He's not come in on a central contract, has he? So there's a deal been done with Newport, like uh, Gwent Dragon, sorry, and because one of the problems you see in Wales is access to the big international stars. If they're centrally contracted, yeah. you know, say George North comes in centrally contracted, the likelihood is he's probably only going to play a handful of games. Uh, in well, the that's, big... that's, yeah, that's the challenge. So, obviously, the rule is they can play around 15, 15, 16 games if they're on a national dual contract, but you're always, uh, I suppose, worried about them being pulled, whereas Ross, Ross is 23 years of age. Um, he, he likes to play, and uh, we just felt... Rather than wait for that national dual contract to be sorted out, he was a priority for us, and we we went and, and got the deal done. So I think for us it's a little bit different than everyone else in that we haven't recruited a, a big name player for a long time, and to get the ball rolling, we felt that he was the prime target, and we just wanted to get him across the line. To be honest, Bruno, thank you very much for joining us, and uh, best of luck for the rest of the season, mate. And um, yeah, we'll look forward to watching that documentary and listening to Jim's dulcet tones on the on the voiceover as well. Right, great pass. job. Cheers, Bernard. Cheers. Welcome. Good luck this Bye season, mate. Cheers, buddy. Mate, you're a shambles. Why? Bernard Bern- Jackson. Bernard Jackson. Oh, I just missed Are you that. fucking joking or what? <laughs> Do you prep the old arrogant it's, it's, it's like Andy, Andy Foe, mate. Andy Foe. Mate, they're going places, aren't they? The Dragons. They are. Mate, mate you mate, look at some of those signings. Mate, Moriarty, well. for me, would, be, would have been one of the most sought-after players yeah. on the market. Yeah. Mate, I love, I love watching him play. He had to go back to Wales. Like Bernard said then, he had to go back to Wales to get picked. Uh, if he wants to play international rugby, because this new law that Gatlin's brought out about 60 caps, he hasn't got 60 caps. That'll so. be scrapped when Gatlin goes. Yeah, well, 
We'll see. Yeah, I think but I, do you know what I love about it? Bernard Jackman there saying, do you know what? We didn't want to wait till he gets the dual contracts, national dual contracts, and he decides where he wants to go. We went out there, got our nuts out, put them on the line, and said, we need a big sign, and he's it. Ka-ching-a-ling-a-ling-a-ling. If, if you watch the documentary on Rugby Pass, and again, I'm not just saying that because I was incredible on the voiceover. I've never heard of you, mate. But, Matt, I loved watching Jackman. You, you, like, very good player. Obviously went over to Grenoble, but it's very rare that you get access, like, like yeah. Andy, Andy Foe mentioned there, to a team. And what I loved about it was his passion. And yeah. I know it's, it's, it's easy to say, oh, the passion of someone, but he's come in and he's taken that job. France, he probably could have went into, walked into a couple of other jobs. It's a big job. Yeah. And you look at the passion that, they sh- that he's shown already and the hunger there and the fact that they've got Moriarty, they've got Spraytan Henson, you know, George North goes there as well. Wow. Ultimately, they've always been... Dragons have always been the, in inverted commas, the worst Welsh region. But they've been like the Connacht, haven't they, of yeah. old? And then you see Connacht eventually winning the yeah. Pro 14 or Pro 12 a couple of years ago. And now, they're with him in charge, they're looking to completely reinvent the wheel as a as a region and really put heat on the likes of Cardiff, the likes of the Ospreys. Scarlet's are bloody good, well coached as well, Pivak yeah. and, and Stephen Jones and that. Wayne Pivak, I'm hearing he might be the next boss of Wales. Really? Yeah. All right. After Gatlin goes... Um, and th- that's the thing. It's you know, there he's putting a cat amongst the pigeons, isn't he? Ruffling a few feathers, spending a bit of cash, doing things differently, whilst also bringing through local talent. And he's a great bloke. I've, yeah. I've spoken to him a few times when he was at Grenoble as well, and I was doing a bit of French stuff. He's a he's a brilliant bloke, he energetic. Knows, he knows what he's talking about, and uh, he doesn't like Jim's voice. <laughs> Uh, let's go to the news now. Uh, tug of wars uh, sort of coming to fruition between uh, England and Scotland for Gary Graham after Gregor Townsend's been in touch with him. Of course. You heard about this? Well, of course. England won him. Of course Scotland won him. And uh, we mentioned it last last week, didn't we? So George, his dad, is Scotland. He's like me. Scotland till he dies. So it would have been interesting, that conversation in that household, because George Graham is as Scotland as they come. But, again, and we've spoken about it, of the way that the game is now, there's a business element to it. Now, if he's good enough to play for England, which I'm not sure that he he, he, he is at the minute, a very good player, you get 20-odd grand or whatever they get a game, of course you're going to look at it like that. I mean, obviously his dad would be pushing him for Scotland, but there's a business element to it. You get 20-odd grand a game to play for England. But, Gregor Townsend, like any good coach would, he knows he's Scottish, he's played England, uh, under-20s for Scotland, and he wants him back. Well, Gregor would have played with his dad, wouldn't he? Well, he would, yeah, he was. Yeah. Yeah. So he was in the same era. So his dad coached me yeah. at Scotland back in the glory days. And um, Gregor was part of that as well at some point. So, yeah, and they played together for Scotland. So Only, only one decision for him, though, really, isn't there? I don't know. It's not as easy as that. But it is, this is where Scotland have got to be careful that they don't let lads like this drop through the net. Well, well, what, how much would you get paid to play for Scotland? A couple of haggis. A couple of haggis. A couple and of haggis. Of, and a can of iron, iron brew. brew. I give you some iron brew. Eh? What are you comparing it's, it to? It's nowhere near. You're looking at probably more than Wales get. I'm going to say, if you play for Scotland. Scotland. So say Scotland win the Six Nations. Okay. So they finished first. I reckon. <laughs> hold on. Hold on. When he says just say, <laughs> like fucking pipe dreams. I reckon, I reckon they'd pick up 15 grand a man. And what if they didn't win the Six Nations? If they finished bottom and they got the wooden spoon. That wooden spoon. I reckon they're all about three or four grand. You got a few of them, haven't you, Jim? Wooden spoons? No, no. You sure? Yeah. Yeah. He's come out and said that his dad's desperate for him to play for Scotland and he wants to play for England. Of course. For me, it's much of a muchness these days. You know, England, Scotland, they're both quality teams, eh? (laughs) I, I generally think, and I don't mean this disrespectfully to Scotland at all, he's got more chance of playing regularly for Scotland than he has for England. Yes, he has. So that's the decision you start thinking about. Mm. You know, ultimately, 
you think of everything to do with can you imagine yourself singing the anthem you know are you passionate about that country yes what's the upside to it yes to 24 25 grand a game or whatever it is you know if you're playing for scotland it's four five six up to ten whatever whatever it is so those things come into your mind and also also you talk about length of career that you can have in an international and we this is what the conversation that we had in starbucks in leicester i don't remember that you do did I say, Goody, should I play for Scotland? You were like, you shit, yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I didn't say you shit, yes. I was like, listen, there's about 45,000 second rows ahead of you for England. Make a career out of it, son. But also as well, like, if he plays for England, he becomes EQP qualified. Yep. And that in itself gives him opportunity to get contracts across all of England. The minute he chooses to play for Scotland, you're quite limited because then you, you then class as a foreigner for the premiership teams. Yep. Should we have a look at some rumours? Oh, I've got to add a couple. Oh, I mentioned one, Spencer from Worcester to Leicester. Bakewell Tart, Cherry Bakewell. Mark, Mark Bakewell. Bakewell. Yeah. Leicester, apparently that is close to being done. Leicester Fours coach. Yeah. Quaid Cooper. Where's Ulster, he going? Ulster. Yes. Um, who knows what's going to happen with all this stuff around Paddy Jackson. Uh, doesn't look great for him. No, it's not um, good. Be interesting. Be, be a huge coup if Ulster got Quaid Cooper. Can't see him playing in Belfast. And imagine that. Like the ultimate 10 that will run from anywhere. <laughs> Bag of tricks. Yeah. How is a wet Friday night at the Kingspan going to suit him? Running, running into a monsoon. <laughs> and then looking, going out at night time looking for Titi Von Tramp. Well, he should sign. <laughs> um, yeah, there's a few, isn't there? Dean Richards. I'm still hearing Dean Richards to Northampton. Northampton I'd, Saints. I'd love to see him back at Leicester. Uh, in what role? As in the boss, mate. But Matt O'Connor is... How is it working at Leicester at the minute? So Matt O'Connor's head coach. Coaches underneath him, Jordan Murphy. And my mate Deeks. Brett Deacon. Brett Deacon. Anthony Allen's there a little bit. So some good young coaches underneath, but above, uh, who's the di- director of rugby? Jed Glynn? Jed Glynn. He's the so one you, what are you saying? Bring Dino in at the, ahead of the coaches? Because Dean doesn't coach, let's be honest. He is a very good director of rugby, but... We're going off tangent. We're going Leicester again. We're going Leicester heavy we the last two weeks because we did the same with Northampton a few weeks ago. Yeah. Leicester need to bring in Dino yeah. or Martin Johnson. For me, if, if, if you're going to take Leicester back to where they were... You need someone like them two blokes in, in, I think in Matt, charge. Well, Matt O'Connor's record is very good as Matt, a head coach. Matt, there's no doubt. He's are you, a good are coach. you mean someone above him as in a? Yeah, I just think Leicester are losing their identity, yeah. and that needs to change. That, that's what I'm saying. There's a job. There's a job for me and you, is there, mate? Simon Cohen listens to the pod. Get us in, mate. I've told you, seven hundred grand is my <laughs> value. Anyone else, Goody? Will Chudley to Bath? Really? Next to scrum half. Yeah, good player he is. Yeah. Uh, Joe um, Cock Insignia. <laughs> it's not Cock Insignia. How do you say it? Cock and a singer. Cock and a insignia. Uh, Bath as well. Joe Cock and a singer. Yeah. Is that what you call him? Joe Cock and a singer, yeah. Cock and a singer. I said Cock and an insignia. Yeah, that will do. <laughs> yeah, he's a big unit, isn't he? he is, yeah. Well, Banners has gone to Gloucester. That's not been announced yet. We announced that on the podcast. Yeah, Matt Banahan has signed for Gloucester. Apparently it's all over Shedweb. Is it? Fans forum, yeah. Matt Banahan signed for Gloucester, um, so they're going for another big unit in Joe Cock and a singer. Yeah, we mentioned Steve Maffey. Yeah, back to Leicester. Back to Leicester. Well, the cast. He's playing for cast this weekend against Leicester. Yeah. So that'll be interesting. I love the way he wears one glove. I used to wear two. Why does he wear one glove? Michael Jackson, mate. One glove, Steve Maffey. Hee <laughs> hee. Should we look at the good, the bad, ugly? Yeah, let's go the good, the bad, and the ugly. Um, good. We're going to start with an old club of mine, Newcastle Falcons, beating Exeter. Not many teams have beaten them over the last 12, 13, 14, 15 months. They've had a good few months run. They've been excellent, Exeter. So Newcastle... 25-3 up, end up winning 28-20, I think it was. But for me, Sonotti Sonotti, he's back in form. From, is that really his name? Yeah, his name is Sonotti Sonotti. So good, they named him twice. 
Mate, imagine being called Jim Jim. Like, what a shit name. <laughs> Jim Jim. Yeah. Um, so Snotty Snotty scores an unbelievable try, turns uh, James Shaw inside out, uh, winger on winger, pro- proper finish. Um, his footwork's unbelievable. Newcastle to get that win, be that dominant, especially in the first half. Uh, that was pretty good. Um, what else was good? Leinster smashed Ulster. Let's talk a little bit about the pro. No one cares. 14. 38-7. Yeah. Uh, they've won 12 of their last 13 games, Leinster have, in all competitions. They look good. Um, so they're, Leinster pretty good. Anyone see James Wilson's out the back offload? Yes. To Khan Fotter. Yeah. Unbelievable. Where else should we go? Billy Vanapola. How good? He was immense, wasn't he? Yeah. Alex Good scored two tries. He, he made 18 carries. 127 metres and beat 10 defenders. How good? How's he not the England fullback? Mate, you tell me. You tell me, mate. Alex Good, great player. But the Good this week, we can talk about individuals. Hit me. We're going Saracens. They were pretty good. Oh, okay. Yeah, they were good. They're back. Okay. My man, my man. Saracens are back. Uh, the bad. We'll go to France. We'll go to your mate. Oh, okay. Fabian Galtier, oh, too my long. Word. They lost away at Breve with their team. Breath, mate. 13-12. 13-12. No tries, no Ashton, no tries. They had Fekitoa, they had Basta, Basta, Bastaro. You bastard. They had a fully charged team. Fabian Gautier is an absolute cowboy. Um, Ulster, obviously, not great getting absolutely walloped by that. Um, but ultimately, the bad this week. has got to go to Claremont. In the top 14, got absolutely dominated away at Racing. 50-odd points, 58 points to six. Down in 10. 58 points to six? Yeah, they put a second team out, to be fair. But you Mate, don't... Well, Scott Spedding was playing. Chuli was playing. Valamahina. Yeah, second team. a second team, is second it? Team. Second team. They had 90, Lee playing? 19, no, no. Exactly. 19-year-old halfbacks. They got absolutely dominated up at Racing. And not what you need going back into Europe, especially when they need two, win- two games to win the group. Where's Carter for Racing? Injured. So hardly played this Smart, year. Smart, mate. He's off to Japan for the yen. Mm, Stay he fit. He's taking the yen. Um, so the bad has to go to Claremont. Uh, the ugly, only one ugly thing this week for me in rugby, and it was your mate, Jim. Marleybone. Joe Marley Marleybone, with his shoulder charged to the head of uh, TJ Yoani. Mm. Um, just not nice. Not good for rugby. And let his team down a bit. Okay. There we go. Good, the bad, and the ugly. All right. Thank you very much uh, for listening and don't forget to uh, subscribe, follow us on Twitter and review us on iTunes. Check out Eventbrite uh, for all the details on the live shows coming up. Uh, Newcastle on Wednesday the 24th and Edinburgh on Wednesday the 21st of February. Pod, pod, pod.